Hello and welcome back to the SBK Betting Podcast as we turn our attentions fully to the flat. Last weekend saw us say a fond farewell to the jump season in the UK and we should have known really that the championship trainer would dominate. Thankfully, TC and I knew that as we sided with Grenatine, who got the job done again at Sandown and TC backed that up with his nap alto alto. It's solid each 18 to 1 each way selection and boom boom for Ross at 18 to 1 as well. So, Ready for the flat now, Ross? Can't wait, Jess. Raring to go. <laughs> Sent you all the decks at two minutes past this morning. I was on it. We knew we'd convert you eventually, um, even though I've, I've already had a sneak peek at the naps, the next best. It's uh, You can't keep yourself too far away from the National Hunt grenades, but we'll get to that a little bit later. So we do turn our attention to the flat and we have been gifted a vintage renewal of the 2000 guineas that even the most hardened of jumps fans can get on board with. We will get to that and the 1,000 guineas, the two classics, after a look at a couple of the supporting races at Newmarket this weekend. So really pleased that Tom Collins is back with us as well. And we'll get straight into it. The Suffolk Stakes over one mile, one furlong. It's a handicap at 2.25 at Newmarket. And races somewhat cut up a little bit looking at uh, the declarations. And the Harby off over... 567 days, it said. So a long, long time is back. He's the current market leader at 92. Fast Medicine is 5 to 1. Moving Time is 17 to 2, along with Notre Bell Bet, 11 to 1. Forest Falcon, it's 12 to 1. Bigger the rest. TC, I'll come to you first. To Harvey, looking at this, it's a short enough price for a horse. Obviously, he promised a lot back in his two year old days, but has to come off a long layoff and, and clearly has had problems. Yeah, exactly. Look, he represents Godolphin, Charlie Athlete, William Buick. So he's going to be well found in the market no matter what. And he had good form as a two-year-old. He wasn't beaten too far by one ruler. Um, he's rated 107. So the fact he's coming in here um, is an interesting bit of placing by Charlie, Charlie Appleby. But as you say, a 567-day layoff coming off um, a, a run in the autumn stakes as a two-year-old, it's a completely different race. This He's going to have to prove that he's the best horse and still retains all of his ability. I'm not 100% sure that he will win this race. But what I am 100% sure is, is that he's a terrible price because you just don't know what De Harvey's going to turn up. Um, saying that, I think this handicap, despite the fact it's cut up since the initial entries, actually, I think there are a fair few horses in here that um, could be value plays. Fast Medicine's an intriguing runner. Notre Bell Bet's an intriguing runner. Um, and my selection, which is moving time. I really like this horse. <laughs> I like the fact that Roger Varian has run him here at Newmarket first time up because last year, first time up, he absolutely bolted up at this track, he beat a horse called Kamari by four lengths. It could have been 14 lengths. He won with such ease. Then his season kind of went downhill. He had two other runs in the Hampton Court and the Steventon Stakes. He didn't, it didn't uh, reproduce that effort first time up. But Roger Varian said in a recent stable tour that this horse has had his problems with injuries. He's just not been sound. But I think now Roger Varian wants to get this horse on a, on a clear run. And usually with horses that aren't sound, you want to catch them fresh. Moving time comes in here fresh. He's booked Harry Davis, who's arguably the best £7 claim around at the moment. I think he's a decent plot horse and a very nice price. Yeah, being gelded as well for this first start back as a four-year-old. Oh, I couldn't forgive him for that run at Ascot where I really fancied him in the Hampton Court Stakes. He must have picked up a couple of niggling issues after that, did he? Yeah, I, I think Roger Varian said that after each of his... He takes his races really difficultly, um, really tough, and he doesn't seem to bounce out of them well. And obviously, he had a month gap between the Hampton Court and the Steventon. 
Um, he didn't really run to his level on either of those occasions. Saying that, he still finished mid-division in both races. That was a, that was a group three and a listed race, both highly competitive events. This is a, a drop down um, to a handicapped company. I, I just feel like he could be the class horse in this field. Everyone thinks the Barbie's the class horse, but it could easily be moving time. Yeah, perhaps catching moving time fresh might be key as well. 17 to 2. I'd agree with TC that this is the wrong favourite. Do you think the same, Ross? Uh, echo everything you guys have said. I mean, I'd throw in as well that the Harvey was winning over a mile as a two-year-old. Uh, two years later, he's a Frankel half-brother to Golden Horn. Uh, you'd suggest he's going to need further than this in time. Um, mm. And I just think that Charlie Appleby and Godolphin have done so well, particularly with their three-year-olds last year coming now in as four-year-olds. I, I just think they're getting overbet in the market. And I, I agree. When I looked at the race, I didn't have a particularly strong opinion other than I wanted to take on him and, and Fast Medicine up £11 for winning at Nottingham. Um, I think this is an entirely different sort of question, trying to win this off 90. Um, the one I came down on, uh, because I do agree with TC, I think it's very open. I think there's plenty of chances. Um, was Cap Francis um, for Ian Williams. Two poor runs on your weather, but you know, let's let's assume that he just doesn't like your weather. He's now down to 93, £2 below his last winning mark. I thought James Doyle was an eye-catching booking. And his run on the his last run on the turf last year at Newbury was a mile two on soft. I think that probably stretched his stamina. All his best form is on a sound surface. Um, I just think he's down to a nice mark now. Ian Williams is a, a trainer I really like, particularly in, in handicaps. He's got his string in very good form. TC found one, I think, last week. Um, I just think he's he's there, ready to run a big race, whether it's this weekend or whether it's at some point in the season, but he's certainly a horse I'll follow because I think he's very well handicapped now. Yeah, I always think that Ian Williams has some sort of plot up his sleeve a little bit with hit these horses, this type of horse that he got off Ed Walker when he promised a huge amount for that trainer and never really materialised after his, his earliest wins. Uh, absolutely. And I think, you know, he, he's obviously had an issue. He's away from the track for, for six months when he got back from Maidan, um, changed trainers, changed owners as well. So that, you know, tells you that perhaps they they'd found an issue. Um, but yeah, Ian Williams is always one to follow, particularly picking up other people's horses. You know, he's probably one of the most underrated dual purpose trainers we've got in the country, actually, because he does it year in, year out. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, got a good one with enemy, doesn't he? That's one to follow after seeing him run a, a crack in the Cigar Estates. But that's Cap Francais, 28 to 1. I'm going to uh, agree with the the two guys about the openness of this field and there's definitely value to be found. And I found it, I think, with Turntable, who's 12 to 1, comes in here with a featherweight um, and Holly Doyle booking is uh, a big eye catcher for me when I saw that on the five-day deck stage for Chris Wall, who is absolutely flying. He's got a 71% strike rate at the moment. He hasn't run a huge amount of horses, but they've been all been running really well. He's had three winners from his last seven runners. He only has a handful of horses running this weekend. Um, and this is one of this is one of them. And I, uh, I think that this horse who is a course and distance winner, he was last seen winning here at double figure prices on his preferred quick ground, just maybe rule out some of the runs where he hasn't had his ground. But I think he, he likes the track. And as I said, a nice weight as well for an event like this with Holly Dor on board. And that's another one at a good price for 12 to 1. So a bit of value around. Moving time uh, for TC, 70 to 2. Cat France, 28 to 1 and 12 to 1 uh, turntable. Right, we'll head into the Palace House Stakes. Five furlongs, the sprint, uh, the quickest race of the day. And Twilight Calls, 
who put up a really good performance over course and distance last time, proved all the all the abilities that he did show himself to have last season, but he was pretty expensive enough to follow. Seven times he's gone off favourite in his career, and he's won twice out of those. He's the three-to-one market leader for this as it stands, and following him quite closely in behind is Tis Marvellous at 92. Came from the darkest five-to-one, Hurricane Ivor six-to-one. TC, we talked about the wrong favourite in the first race. Is Twilight Calls the wrong favourite in the Palace House? I think he's probably the right favourite, but I don't want to bet him at all. Um, as you say, he's he struggled to get the job done when favourite before. Um, he's a really strong travelling horse, which is why he always comes in for money and why he's well found in the market again. He impressed on his seasonal return. But if you look back last year, his best effort came at Newmarket. He beat a horse called When the Dealing's Done, who's actually in this field on Saturday. Um, he gave When the Dealing's Done two pounds and beat him by a neck. They're running off level weight. So you'd think Twilight Calls will, um, will confirm that form. But when the dealing's done is 33 to 1, Twilight Calls is a, a short price favourite. So I don't think the form, his form necessarily stacks up well. Obviously, he could have improved from last season to this. And he was very impressive on, it, on his season of reappearance. But I can't be having him at the prices. I think he's going to travel into the race, probably trade quite short um, in running mm. and then get beat. Um, Four-year-olds have won this race five times in the last six editions, I have to say. So there is your case for, for Twilight Calls. I think he's going to get done in the closing stages. And the horse I really like is came from the dark. He should have won this race last year um, when he was beaten by Lazuli. Holly Doyle, who's fantastic, didn't get the race right that day, unfortunately. She went to go for a gap on this hold-up performer. Um, and just as she went to go for the gap, William Buick, very tactical and brilliant rider himself, cut across and just stopped, came from the dark, going for the run. That meant Holly Doyle had to rein back, cost him probably half a length to a length. The horse absolutely rattled home for second, beating a neck. One stride off the line was in front. Took an age to pull up as well. Um, obviously, that was his third run last year. So he had previous race fitness on his side. This season, he's coming into the race fresh. But this horse has won fresh before. Um, I, he clearly handles the track. The undulations cause him no problem, despite the fact he's a big strapping colt. Um, and, and the fact that he's coming into this race again suggests that Ed Walker maybe has targeted the affair. He hasn't got over the fact he got beat last year in this race. He wants to win this race this time around and uh, came from the duck as my selection. Yeah, I love this horse. He was so progressive last season, wasn't he, TC? He's lightly raced for his years, but he obviously had a had a, a setback. He had surgery, I've read, um, after the Coral Charge, which he won impressively. My question was the worry about the ground. He's obviously well, he's won on a, a he's won on ground a lot softer than this. And that was my concern with a horse who's who's clearly fragile on quick ground after a long layoff. Would that yeah. worry you? Yeah, I can definitely see that concern. The one thing I actually looked through his form and, and had the same thought process as you. Um, he's obviously won on soft ground before um, and his best five furlong efforts prior to this race last year came on soft ground because he's a horse that gets further um, and it's obviously better when he's, the, the leaders aren't going as quick as they would usually go in a five furlong contest. However, in this race last year, the ground was good to firm. He handled it perfectly fine. He finished second, should have won. I'm willing to, to accept the fact that he's as good in these conditions as on soft ground. Um, obviously a horse that's not so sound. You don't know uh, how they're going to perform from each run, one run to the next. Um, but I think I'm going to err on the side of came from the dark's going to handle the conditions and therefore he's a decent price at the likely odds. Yeah, he's uh, currently five to one as we record. And uh, he's a horse with a profile that could make up into even better sprinter to what we've seen. We normally see Ross horses, perhaps like fringe handicappers coming into group company, trying to give this a go. Um, I know from the past, we've seen plenty of horses uh, who've, who've come from those big heritage handicaps and they're just, it's their opportunity to run off level weights. Is there something like that in here for you? 
Uh, truthfully, no, and I, I'd echo what TC said. I, I think Twilight Cause has got plenty to do, winning a handicap off 94, stepping up into a Group 3. I think what you do get if you've been running in these in these big field handicaps is you you do get plenty of race practice in there so that they know their trade. And I think sprinting is a is a specialist trait, particularly over five furlongs. Um, but the, the, the two I came down on, the, the two I think are the standout horse in the field, are, are Tis Marvellous and, and Hurricane Ivor. I mean, Tis Marvellous is favoured by the weight, comes out quite a long way, clear on ratings. Um, Hurricane Ivor gets a three-pound uh, group three penalty from last year for beating Tis Marvellous at, at Newbury. Um, so strictly, you, you'd argue that Tis Marvellous might reverse the form. But I think Hurricane Ivor is very, very progressive. He's only a five-year-old, so he's three years younger than Tis Marvellous, potentially has more to come. Um, and all the way through last year, he just kept stepping up. His only poor runs were on soft ground. He just simply doesn't handle it, finished the season badly with, with, a, with a poor run. Um, but I think a five-year-old back on quick ground on a, a stiff enough track over five, he finishes off really well. I think TC's right. I think Twilight Calls will be you know, right there, but I think he'll get run down. And I think Hurricane Ivers the one to run him down. I know he's got it to do at the weights, but I think he is very progressive. Um, William Haggis, you know, master trainer. Um, he's just a horse I really like. And I I think the market has, has perhaps overplayed his poor run at the back end of last year because it coincided with a sort of step up in class. But I think it was just the ground that beat him on on that occasion. Yeah, that's exactly what the connections have said as well. He's six to one, definitely could rule out that run. He was actually a really good two-year-old in, over in France. I remember him winning on Debbie, absolutely bolted up. Um, and he's his now moved to William Haggis. And right at the end of last season, he really came to show that, that all those promises that he confirmed as a, as a younger horse. Um, yeah, he's he's just, he's definitely one that uh, is, is intriguing this season, sort of, being one of those fringe group horses and um yeah William Haggis uh it might have a have a nice sprinter which he's not normally famed for being very good with so it, it's just quite an interesting proposition isn't it yeah abs- absolutely and, and you know the other thing you'd say is he's I don't quite know when he arrived at William Haggis's last year but he's had a had a winter with him he's had a, a, a full prep um I think there could be plenty more to come from him I really do Okay, well, a man who is pretty iconic when it comes to sprinters is Robert Cowell. And that's where I've laid down with his Atlas base, having his first start with this yard. He's picked up for um, over 100 grand by the Morley's in Midland Park from uh, Marco Botti, which I thought was quite interesting that that they sold this horse because even though his form tailed off a little bit, not a huge amount at the end of the season, I do think with sprinters, you there are points in their season when they are spot on and sometimes they do go a little bit over the top. We get to this point of the season where they're running against each other week in, week out. I think this horse is at his best at the early point of the season. He has plenty of speed and I think that the Palace House stakes will set him up perfectly for him if Sean Levy, our SBK ambassador, gets him out there quickly from the stalls. I just think the running style should be suited if he's at the top end of the field and if Levy shoots from the hip and starts well, uses his speed. I think it would be really tricky to pick the to peg back. Um, and I I I think that his run last time you can put a run, run through line through that at the end of last season because he lost his hind shoe. So I think he's just a bit too big at fourteen to one. So we've all got we're all going against the favourite Twilight Cools, who's uh, bidding to emulate his grandsire who won this twenty years ago. Kalaki did, which makes me feel extremely old. Um, but 
we go against Twilight Calls and we're going to, uh, for Ross, um, Horrock and Ivor at six to one. Uh, for TC, um, a bit of Came for the Dark at five to one. And for myself, Atlas Bay at 14 to one. Okay, enough of the supporting races. Let's head into the big ones. Uh, we'll go straight into the Kipco 2000 Guineas, run over the mile on Saturday at 3.40. And we've talked about this from an anti-post perspective. So I'll be really interested to see what TC and Ross think. Now we've got um, two days to go. Native Trail, the even money favourite. He's been really solid since that, since he bolted up in the Craven. And uh, he's got to oppose his stablemate Caribus, who's 11 to two, as well as Luxembourg for Aiden O'Brien, who's 11 to two, perfect power is 10 to one. Point Lonsdale, 14 to one, 18 to one, bigger the rest. Right, I've got a bit of trivia. The last favourite to win the 2000 Guineas was Churchill in 2017. Can either TC or Ross name the last four favourites of this race? Go on, TC. <laughs> I'm gonna, well, I have a point with the, this. Uh, I know that Massar was one. Is the point they're all Godolphin? Nearly, no. They're both Godolphin and Aidan O'Brien, but it's the point about what they went on to be become after this race. Oh, sprint. Oh, wait, uh, winners. Apart from Pinatubo, right? Well, so Battleground in 2021, who we went off favourite right before the off. Pinatubo 2020, 10 Sovereigns in 2019, Massar 2018. Massar went on to win the Derby, but the others, you could really say, they weren't really ideal for this trip, were they? Pinatubo ended up being a seven furlong source. Ten Sovereigns was a sprinter. And Battleground, well, don't really know is what a Cheshire winner. Him. A Cheshire yeah. winner. <laughs> My point is, do we have a completely diff different proposition with this favourite? I mean, I, I do. I think he's a I think he's an out-and-out -out miler. Um, not a sprinter like Pinatubo definitely was. Um, I don't think he's a derby horse, I have to say. I think he'll get, if he goes to Epsom, I think he'll be overturned. Um, but I think a mile suits him absolutely perfectly. Caribus is a different option, or Carobus, however we want to pronounce the other Afri horse. Um, I think he's a sprinter, but it'll be interesting to see how they both uh, how they both run in, in the 2000 guineas. Yeah, I just think, you know, everyone has been trying to work out picking holes in Native Trail if they can. I'm just wondering, Ross, is that, am I, am I just clutching at shoestrings? I just find it really difficult to back an even money favourite in the 2000 guineas, especially one with so much quality paper. Well, you're talking to the right man. I mean, I struggle to back an even money favourite at, at, at the best of times. But I have to say, I do think even money is a, a good price. I, I'd expect him to go off odds on. Um, I'd be surprised he's not odds on actually before before Saturday. Um, no, I, I think he I think he is solid, and I think he is an out and out miler. I think they they will campaign him at a mile. I'd be surprised they stepped him up to anything above ten furlongs. Maybe at the end of the season, he just looks an out and out miler. I completely agree with TC. He handled a dip last time in the Craven, um, galloped strongly to the line. Yeah, I, I, I think he takes takes all the beating. I've come up with some alternative selections because we did we did I think largely tip him for in the anti-post piece so if you took odds against then do you really want to go back in at evens maybe you do um i i, I personally wouldn't um i agree with tc i, I don't fancy Krebus over over this trip luxembourg we spoke about i think he's going to need much further and i don't like his head carriage at all um perfect power is probably the the sort of uh, fly in the ointment so to speak i don't think he was a confirmed runner when we last spoke about it um mm -hmm. In fact, I think we did a Greenham, so he hadn't actually run, had he, in the, in the Greenham. I think we were both confident he stayed a seven. 
I at the time was very unsure that he'd stay a yard further than seven. And I'm now really not sure because he was very strong to the line in the in the green over seven. Will he stay a, a mile at Newmarket um, is a bit of a question. But at, at the prices, I think he's he's a decent price because I think he is as good as as good a horse in terms of ability as Native Trail. I really do. I think he's a very, very smart horse. It's just whether he'll stay that extra furlong. Um, but they seem confident he will. Um, so I think at, was he, 10, 10, 11 to 1, I think is a decent price, um, at, you know, from an each-way angle. Um, the one thing I thought was quite interesting this week is they've, they've mentioned that he can get very hot-headed to the start, which is something I pride myself on watching and I've missed it. So... Um, it might be you want to watch him get down to the start. They're talking, they're going to try and lead him some of the way. And if he gets down to the start calmly and, and has not too bowled over, I think he's, I think he's interesting because he did stay seven furlongs very well at, at Newbury. And then the other one I'd throw in there, and I mentioned him anti-post. He's not got any shorter. So, um, you know, it wasn't a great anti-post tip, but Berkshire shadow really impressed me in the early part of last year. And then his form tailed away. If, if they can, you know, get him back and they, they sort of mentioned that he wasn't the most robust physically last year and was quite a tall angular horse. If he's filled out into a nice three-year-old, he was four and a half lengths behind Native Trail in the Dewhurst. Point Lonsdale was three and a half lengths behind Native Trail. Um, Berkshire Shadow is four times the price of Point Lonsdale. And the one thing you would say about Berkshire Shadow over the uh, Dewhurst trip, he was staying on at the end. Um, his dam stayed a mile. I'm confident he'll stay this trip. I think his form just tailed off last year because he was growing and gone a bit angular. Um, so I wouldn't give up on him on him yet. 50 to one, I think, or even bigger um, is a big price. So perfect power and Berkshire Shadow each way, but I fully expect Native Trail to win this. Okay, Berkshire Shadow, 66 to one. Um, yeah, he either, either the form tailed off or everything just caught up with him. We always talk about this race as the last two-year-old race of the season and Native Trail has really been the exceptional two-year-old and what different to the likes of Pinatubo who had all the, the the thoughts that he was going to be the next great coming is that we didn't see him before this race at three and actually he just didn't materialize into the three-year-old he was at two so at least we know that with native trail Tom and that's why there's so much confidence around him and that's why he's so solid at the top of the market. Yeah, well, generally, I would agree with you that I wouldn't want to back an even money shot or an odds on shot. I also agree with Ross that he'll go off odds on um, in, in the 2000 Guineas or any group one on the flat, especially early in the season when you don't know necessarily about um, what horse is going to turn up, the likes of Caribus, who we haven't seen for such a long time. But Native Trail just has everything. He's so solid. Um, he's five from five. He's unbeaten. He represents the leading connections right now, the informed connections too. He's got course and distance form. He stays the mile well. He was a champion two-year-old and he's already got an official rating of 122. If you look back in the last 10 years, um, the rating required to win um, the 2000 guineas, actually the rating achieved by the 10 winners in the last decade, uh, the average has been 122.3. So he's already proved that he is good enough to win the 2000 guineas. He doesn't even need to improve further from what we've seen in the Craven for him to actually take this prize in a standard edition. Um, and I don't even think this is a standard edition. It's not very deep in my opinion. Caribus, I know I said earlier that I don't think he's necessarily a miler. Now, I know he's won three races at a mile, but he's got such a high cruising speed. I think if they drop him back in trip to seven furlongs, he will just make hay in that division because he can just travel into his races. Um, I don't like the fact that he's not coming in here without a race either. Um, Luxembourg, I agree with uh, Ross about his head carriage. 
I know he won the Verton Futurity, but he really didn't impress me that day. Um, I thought when Ryan got him in the clear and he actually hit the front, he should have just gone away. But he didn't. He kind of just maintained that advantage in front. Now, I know the ground's completely different. The track's completely different. Um, but that puts me off first time up, although Aidan O'Brien's done really well with his, his stock so far this season. And Perfect Power, I think I was the uh, number one fan of him going down the Commonwealth Cup route this year. But <laughs> unfortunately, they've gone for the Guineas. Uh, I say unfortunately because I was on anti-post for the, for the Commonwealth late. Cup. Not too late. True. Uh, I have still got the slip for the Commonwealth Cup, so I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping. Um, but if he, I wouldn't be surprised if he did run a good race in here. If he stays the mile, I'm just not convinced. I think he's more of a sprinter. So all in all, Native Trail just wins, I think. Okay. So I would kind of slightly disagree that it's not a deep uh, edition of the Guineas. I think if you look at last year's anyway, it's a lot stronger than that. Four Group 1 winners and a, a champion juvenile sprinter in perfect power who adds that little bit of flavour into it. And obviously the the the, the usual Ballydor contingent. I feel like just before we move on to the 1,000 guineas and we get our final selections, have we done enough to talk about Caribus? Because, yes, we haven't seen him. We've seen him do this race course gallop. He looks like a beast. I will be so excited to see these horses in the paddock and physically see what they look like because Caribus and Native Trail look like as specimens, not too dissimilar, but Caribus, based on pedigree anyway, should be a, 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 a miler at least, maybe a 10 furlong horse. And in his running style, at least, because we haven't talked about how this race might even be set up, he might he might be a, a horse that will travel into it a lot better than Native Trail. I just want to touch on him really briefly, maybe, Ross, get your thoughts on, on, on where you think or how he might fare, how you think he might fare. I just can't get away from that run where he sort of just hit the front and, and dropped it slightly and, and curled up. Now, I know, I know James Doyle will be aware of that and will ride him differently. But I just, I, I, in a race like this, I don't like the fact that you've got an added complication that the race has got to fall right and the gaps have got to come when you want them to, to come. And I think that's the one thing Native Trail has got going for him. He's very straightforward or he's become very straightforward. Uh, I could see Caribus travelling very well. Um, I don't think William Buick mind at all if Caribus got first run and towed him along a little bit further. I, I, just, mm. I just think that... You're going to be his pacemaker. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying I don't think that Caribus getting to the front early uh, is is going to be ideal. And I think if Native Trail gets to the front early, Caribus isn't going to get back to him. So I, I, I just think that's the problem that that James Doyle and Godolphin, if you can call it a problem, are, are going to have. I just don't see how Caribus mm. can beat Native Trail. He's also drawn in still one as well, Caribus, and Native Trail's in 15. So they're literally both on the flanks. It's, it's going to be an intriguing way that this race is going to pan out. Um, William Buick and James Doyle are probably going to try and find cover. So it, it would just be intriguing. In the first furlong, you'll probably know your fate with the likes of Caribus. Native Trail, not so. Um, I'm sure he'll be dropped in midfield and, and it will, will be fine for him. But if Caribus is keen throughout the early stages, first time up this season from a wide draw, uh, you'd be a bit worried. That's a really good point because we've seen how much the draw has affected the chances of horses in this race and the 1,000 guineas. And touching on the draw is really important. So you're out on the wing on, on for both of these good Olfen horses, but you'd rather draw 15, essentially, what you're saying, TC. Yeah, exactly. They're probably going to come down the middle, um, which is what they tend to do in the guineas. But obviously, sometimes they can come towards the stand side, which uh, proved a, a good place to be earlier this season. Um, Native Trail is hasn't got as high a cruising speed as Kariba. So I'm sure they're going to go some gallop. It's a group one. Um, I'm sure he'll just sit in mid-div and it will be perfectly fine. But 
I'm a little bit worried that Caribus is just going to be left out on the flank with no cover and a horse that's fresh with such a high cruising speed that he has um, in the first furlong. I'll be intrigued to see how he's going under James Doyle because you'd want to see him settled if you're on him. If you're not on him and he's pulling on and reefing on the on the right hand side or left hand side of the TV screen, as we'll look and you're on native trail, you're thinking, here we go then. Yeah, it's uh, interesting looking at the jaws because Royal Patronage, who normally does a lot of early work, if they do, if they will make all with him, not certain, but he's drawn six. So you could see it sort of becoming a bit of a diamond formation up like that. And it might it might benefit William Buick, who can he can do whatever he wants, seemingly. And the horse <laughs> hits his sort of customary flat spot. Well, I think that we've all, and I would echo because I, I loved Native Trail and what he did in the Craven. I thought, even though he didn't really beat a, a massive amount, and I think that Perfect Pam might, might have achieved a lot more than uh, a Native Trail did in, in winning the Greenham. He's just, he looks like the three-year-old they wanted him to turn into. Turn into and I think that's really, really crucial. Um, but I think, like Ross, is probably a bit of value around. Um, so just at each way prices, and there has been a few shocks that have made up the placings in the past to sort of chase home native trail. I was so taken by Aiden um, at Newmarket a couple of weeks ago. I was surprised that he they threw him in here, but because I'd imagine he's more of a 10 furlong horse, but there's only one guineas. Um, but he did suit the uh, Newmarket uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he probably would have won that race over a mile anyway. He's a fabulous looking horse. He's got a really strong cru cruising speed. He's drawn quite wide in 10. And um, I just think he's a nice price at 28 to 1. As is, and this is a bit of a wild Ross Miller kind of su suggestion, but Takarib Bay is 66 to 1. I don't think he was suited by the fast of the race that he was in um, last time at Newmarket. I think a bigger field, a really strong gallop will really benefit this horse too. I know the Richard Hannon team, regardless of their quite patchy form at the moment, have loved this horse from day one. I think he can do a lot better than 66 to 1 suggests. So few outsider or each way selections for the guineas, which myself, Ross and TC thinks is going to be dominated by Native Trail at even money. So something to keep you interested in, in what, what looks like is going to be the favourites race to lose, if anything. Um, right, OK, we'll head on to... Uh, the 1,000 guineas um, on Sunday. We're recording on Thursday, so we don't have the final declarations. But I think at this moment, you would imagine we would know if something isn't going to run. And their prices are reflected like um, because of that. The likes of um, Prosperous Voyage has gone, taking a big market drift. as uh, looks like she's going to head over to France. Um, so currently, Tenebrism is the, is the favourite um, at three to one. Obviously, we have known Spiral the last time we did the anti-post check on this she was in this race discovery is a sixth one tuesday 13 to 2 Malavest for francis graffard over from france 15 to 2 mise on scene 11s with wild beauty and zelly and 16 to 1 bigger the rest this is open i believe and from a pedigree perspective anyway ross i know you love your pedigrees a heap of these fillies are bred to win a guineas discoveries is a sister to alpha centauri tenebrism a daughter of a group one miler tuesday a sister to a guineas winner Boy assisted to Glen Eagles. Mise on scenes down as a half to Speciosa. This is what you want from a 1,000 guineas. It absolutely is. I agree that it's open, but I'm surprised that Tenebrism is still as big as she is, particularly with Inspiral coming out. Um, you know, we've not got an awful lot to go on, and I'd be one that I'd like to sort of cross and cross-check lines of form, and I can't do this with Tenebrism with just, with just two runs, but I think sometimes you have to trust your eyes and what she did in the Chievely Park was 
mind-blowing to, to, to my mind. She took an age to get going. She'd been off the track for, I think it was five months, having won a maiden in March. Um, and she absolutely flew home and stayed on so strongly to the line. Um, there is a maybe a marginal question mark on her pedigree, whether she's an out-and-out miler. You know, as you said, Dam Immortal Verse won a, won a group one over a mile. Caravaggio may be a bit more of a sprinter and, you know, hasn't thrown an awful lot of stamina laden uh, stock so far, but he's still in fairly early days. Um, but they seem very confident she's going to stay. They seem to have sort of been very happy to go straight there, whether she's difficult to train. And that's why she had sort of such a long time between her first run and her, and her second run last year. Um, but yeah, I, I just loved what she did. And I'm, I'm surprised given the stable she's with she's not shorter now you know maybe tc will argue that that's a bit of a a negative in that you know from this sort of stable if they're fancy they're, they're stronger in the market but yeah she she blew me away what she's in the chiefly park uh, i would have fancied her to have beaten in spiral anyway i think with in spiral gone it makes her job a bit easier um and i thought three to one was a was a big price yeah so i took the opposite view because the anti-post time i thought she was too big because I fancied her over in Spiral. Now Spiral's out. I'm not too sure if that's the right price. I, I think of a horse who hasn't done a huge amount of racing and has had her problems that I don't know if three to one, which she currently is and she might get shorter, is a little bit risky when there are some other lovely uh, Aidan O'Brien fillies in this. And don't forget, all of his second, third strings have been winning this race recently. You've got to go back to, to Minding in 2016, who was the last winning favourite of Aidan O'Brien to win this. And he's had um, what I can look at now for uh, winners since then that have been sort of good value prices. So we'll come to maybe the others, the others next um, out, outside of that. Toy and Tuesday. Toy is 22 to 1. Tuesday is 13 to 2. What have they done, maybe TC, to suggest that they should be so much bigger? Obviously, they've won maidens, but looking at the, the, the results that Eno Brian has had in this race, you should never overlook his that are coming into 1,000 guineas. No, exactly. Obviously, Tenebrism is going to be favourite because of the visual that she produced in the Chibli Park. Like, it was all over social media and hype horses like that tend to go off shorter prices um, than the likes of Tuesday, who won a, a little maiden that probably most people didn't see at the time. But Tuesday's beautifully bred and it was a mile maiden. So she's proved at the trip. She's by Galileo out of Lily Langtree. So the breeding is impeccable. But Tenebrism is coming here as a sprinter now she has to prove whether she's a miler. She's already top rated. So if she is a miler, um, she's by Caravaggio, who had plenty of speed. But as you say, out of a dam that uh, won over a mile, uh, group one over a mile. Um, if she gets the mile, she deserves to be favourite and win this race. But I'm not convinced. Um, look, you can take the three to one, 11 to four, either way. She could be valued because if she gets the mile, she could be, she should be seven to four. She's the, she only had two starts, represents leading connections, has course form. Um, and she's already proved how good she is over sprint trips. But also, if she doesn't get the mile, you're thinking, why on earth was this filly such a short price mm. in a deep edition where you can make a case <laughs> for so many? Um, exactly. it's a real, yeah, it's a real tough conundrum. Um, I've taken the approach that you have uh, in imposing her. I actually think Tuesday's probably the better bet out of the Aidan O'Brien horses. But if you look back at Aidan O'Brien's record, recent record in this race, which is brilliant, the horses he's been winning with have had loads of races at two. You've got Love in there. Homecoming Queen had about a million races as a two-year-old. Um, Winter and Minding are two horses that were lightly raced, but they were milers from the outset, not sprinters like Tenebrism. Mother Earth last year had a whole selection of races as a juvenile. So did Hermosa. 
So Tenebrism is a completely different horse for Aidan O'Brien coming into 1,000 guineas. Um, I think you have to have a lot of trust and belief in her getting the trip. But if she does, then she's probably going to win this race. Um, I've, as I say, I've, I've taken the, the decision to uh, oppose her. And the horse that I want to oppose her with is Malavath. Um, French horses haven't done notoriously very well in this race, but they've had uh, a, couple of, a couple of places and a couple of winners. And I think Francis Graffard's going to have a brilliant day on Sunday, by the way, I should just mention. Christophe Sumion's coming across. A sexy Sumion double, I reckon. Um, and Malavath is going to be the second of the two. We'll come to the first when, like, when we do Naps and Next Best. Um, but Malavath, she's only two pounds shy of Tenebrism uh, with an official rating of 113, Tenebrism rated 115. But crucially, she's proved that she had us a mile. She hasn't run at Newmarket, but what she has done is proved that she's uh, very agile. She ran at Delmar in the Breeders' Cup, broke slowly, was drawn really wide in gate 12. And that turf track is so tight, but she negotiated it really nicely and finished second to a fully called Pizza Bianca, who ran second the other day um, and has loads of potential going forward. I loved her reappearance at Deauville earlier this month. She, she beat Zelly, who's in this field as well, and also has a good chance for Andre Farb. Uh, Tom Marcan takes the ride, which is a good booking. Um, and that day, she proved that she trained on from two to three. So I like Malabath. I think she's the most solid option. But as I say, it's a real difficult conundrum with this favourite tenebrism. Yeah, 15 to 2 for Malabath. A lot of shrewdies over the last week or so have been, been uh, talking to me about Malabath. And uh, considering they do have their own option in France of their, their, their French alternative for this, I think it's the ground is key also for her because she clearly likes the quicker surface. Yeah, I mean, Delmar, it was absolutely rattling. It was practically a road uh, and she flew mm. home for second despite a terrible trip, as I mentioned. Uh, Ryan Moore gave her a good ride that day given she's a juvenile and you know, she hasn't, she didn't learn, or, um, she hadn't learned everything on the job prior to that effort, but I feel like she learned so much at Delmar. And she, you kind of saw that at Derville earlier this month. Um, I, I think we're going to get a new filly coming into this race and Christoph Simeon is one of the best pilots around. We don't get to see him so often on, on UK shores, but um, when we do, he always makes his mark. Yeah, he certainly does. Uh, Malavaf, uh, daughter of Maymas, as you say, big run there in the juvenile food turf with a couple of... Um, uh, British uh, trained runners in Cache and Hello You are also lining up. So if she can hold that form, she's definitely got two beat um, already uh, in uh, going into this field. And mise on scene, sorry, I forget to say as well, who's lined up as well. So yeah, interesting views one way and the other for Tenebrism. Ross, I know you always like a, something at a, a bigger price as well. Is there anything hidden within there that we should uh, we should we should look for a, for a, for a bit of a value bet? Well, without wanting to sound like an Andrew Paulding fanboy, um, uh, and I mentioned her again in the anti-post, Sandrine, I followed her last year. I loved, she's tough. She does everything right way around in her races. I was desperate at her for her to finish a season off over a seven furlong race last year, and they didn't. They kept it to six. She's been crying out for this step up and trip. Again, she was fairly well beaten by Tenebrism in the Cheveley Park, but she stuck at it really well. Um, I think she'll improve for a step up in trip. Um, I like the fact that both her and Tenerism have shown they can handle the dip. I think that's something that's not to be overlooked. Um, and I think if she, if there's one to step forward from what they've done, uh, it, it could be her. And again, comes in without a prep race, which, you know, is never, never all that uh, confident inducing, but um, I, I think she's a smart filly in the making. And I think she can step forward for this step up in trip. 18 to 1 and Andrew Balding team who weren't quite firing about a couple of weeks ago. This week they certainly have, which is always important um, uh, yard form. I definitely think that his yard is just peaking um, right at the right time, don't you think? 
yeah, had a nice debut two-year-old winner as well, which suggests that they perhaps starting to get a, a grasp of to, to where they are fitness-wise, which, you know, it, it's annoyed me a bit this winter that famously, you know, training racehorses isn't all that difficult. Well, <laughs> keep keeping keeping horses that aren't racing happy and healthy is is difficult it is very difficult and and people don't and i think the sport doesn't do it well enough that we don't get across just how difficult it is to 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 get these horses right and it's it slightly hurt me that this inspiral story never really was 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 properly talked about you know it it happens it's it's horses mm. and i think there was a chance for the sport to say look this is how difficult it is <laughs> our best trainer has missed a target because the horse isn't right you know and, and they're not they're not machines um but yeah i think the fact that andrew Border had a debut winner this this week will perhaps boost their confidence they'll know where they're at fitness wise um because they look like one or two were needing it like you say at the start of the year um so yeah i think she's an interesting one at a big price yeah certainly and it's you know it to get them up to their prime so early on in the season is not easy at all and as we said before we started recording it's still cold and for these fillies coming in their coats again this will be interesting to see what they are looking like walking around the paddock who looks well in their skin I can't imagine any of them is going to look absolutely fantastic because it will be chilly um but it that that's just a, an interesting element a man who is in sensational form is Aidan O'Brien I'm taking a lot of confidence in what I've seen this week watching his runners. And that's why Tenebrism, obviously, I just think might be too short for me now. I liked her um, a couple of weeks ago uh, prior to Inspiral coming out. But I think that at the price is 22 to 1 for Toy and 13 to 2 for Tuesday. Two fillies who are bred to be really, really good, better than what they've showed. Obviously, maybe have taken a little bit of time to come to hand. They're not the... They're not the, the likes of, um, of of Love and Snowfall, um, who are really busy two-year-olds. Um, but they have definitely, or they've already been out this season and uh, they could just be better than what they've already showed. And I just, I like finding value in this in this kind of race. So 13 to 2 about Tuesday and Toy 22 to 1, which is crazy. And uh, we'll be interested to see jockey bookings as well for those, because I think Frankie Dottori is now available. Um, so that is the 1,000 guineas. We've had a good chat through both of the, the classics, which they do deserve. Um, but we will um, head on um, and get the next bests, the naps and the next bests from Ross and TC for this classic weekend. Don't forget and the new customer offer, um, which is available for SBK, um, for, for new customers for SBK. Deposit £10 and get £30 in free bets. And T's and C's always apply. So TC, take it away. Yeah, we're doing a Christophe Simeon Francis Graffard double here with the Napa Next Best. The Next Best we've already covered, which is Malavath in the 340 at Newmarket, the 1,000 guineas on Sunday. The Nap is also on Sunday in the 3 o'clock at Newmarket, a filly called Ebeira. Um, so Michael Stout has won the, the Dahlia Stakes a record six times. He runs Ville de Grasse in this race, and she's likely to be a short price favourite. But she's coming off a long layoff, um, and her best effort last year was with giving the ground. So I'm not 100% sure she's going to be firing first time up. And I want to oppose it. I think she's a bit of a false favourite. And Abeira looks the perfect horse to take her on with. Francis Graffard's not going to send her over for no reason. Look, I know he's got a runner in the 1,000 guineas and she may be just accompanying her on the journey over. But this is a, a real high-class filly. He travelled out to Riyadh earlier this year uh, and finished a really good third in the Neon Cup, actually. Um, a race that had runners from all over the globe. And she ran on, ran on really taking in the closing stages without ever threatening. Now, last time up, she was equally intriguing. She finished third at, at Longchamp at a short price. Now, anyone looking at the form book would go, gosh, she's been beaten at six to five here. 
Um, do I really want to be backing her next time up? Now, she had clear excuses that day. It was her first run after coming back from Saudi Arabia um, and a couple months layoff. I think she probably needed the run. And she actually moved into the race beautifully as well. Christoph Simeon takes the ride. I really like a Beira. I think she's a value price at around four to one. Um, a Beira and Malabar for the sexy Sumian double. Um, we enjoy that. And um, I'll just stick mine in just quickly to keep a, a new market focus. I know Ross is going slightly off piste. Um, for maybe not as sexy, but a Michael Dodds double um, in the shape of Gale Force Mayer, who um, I think has got an exceptional chance in the Kilvington Stakes at Newmarket, um, the first race on Saturday. Move from Nottingham, um, which I'm sure is very much pleased Michael Dodds, who knows that his filly, his mare now, absolutely thrives at Newmarket. She won by just a nose um, over course of distance a couple of weeks ago the Michael Dodds team continue to be in flying form all around the country um Connor Beasley as well his uh his his number one jockey will be on board and I think that she's got a, a cracking chance to um just to, to essentially emulate what she did last time she's filled with lots of speed um especially now enlisted company and then the second horse for the Michael Dobbs double is the Black Rod who's an intriguing horse um coming back off a bit of a break son of Mason um who's uh he does exceptionally well with his sprinters and I think that this horse who was pretty pretty much faultless last season could have another big uh year as a four-year-old and um I think he's too big as it stands at 11 to 1 so that is two Michael Dodds runners to add to TC selections at the market this weekend so Ross Miller take it away so yeah as you say I'm moving to to the feature card of the day um the jumps racing back at Utoxeter my nap comes in the 4.39. Tim Vaughan trained Clemencia. Been waiting for him all year. Unfortunately, his last run at Huntington didn't coincide with a, a podcast, so I wasn't able to put him up. But I had mentioned him on the SBK platform in the handicap piece. Uh, he won that nice over two mile three. He is up six pounds, but he's also up another three furlongs in trip on good ground. I think that three furlongs in trip will help him defy the rise. So Clemencia in the 4.39 is the nap. And then the next best is in the 3.30 at Oxter. Frankie de Burley for the Bowen team. He's £3 now below his last winning mark. He won on this card over two and a half miles last year, staying on strongly at the death. Step up to three miles on good ground will suit him well. And the Bowen team do very well through the summer. Um, this could well be a, a prep race for the, for the summer plate at Market Raisin, which he won last year. So Frankie de Burley is the next best. Fabulous. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Um, we've gone, had a real good look at the 2000 guineas and the 1000 guineas. Lots to look forward to, plus a, a little bit of extra for, uh, for your national hunt needs. Uh, TC, Ross, as ever, many thanks. Make sure to like, subscribe, and we will be back as always next week. And uh, we hope you enjoy what's set to be a brilliant classic weekend. <laughs>